Welcome to the podcast where you talk about everything hidden in the shadows. This is Megan, and on this episode, I am joined by a very special guest, someone very close to me that is blood-related. That's Well, no, Isaac isn't blood-related. That would be very weird. We'd be in... Okay, that started off. That started off a bit crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Isaac's not here. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode um, about AI that he was going to Denver for a work trip. So this was originally supposed to be a solo episode, but things just fell right into place. And I actually have my youngest sister here with me. Her name is Gwen. <laughs> thanks for coming on and she is going to come on here to talk with me a little bit about near-death experiences so one of the reasons why we chose near-death experiences and even kind of like last week with the ai is one of our things that we always ask especially with ghosts or anything that's paranormal haunted is why is the soul there right why is the soul still behind and then two, essentially one of the the questions that people in general always ask is where do we go when we die? Yeah. Right. That is a huge thing. Whether you're into the paranormal or not, it's kind of curious as to where we go. So the closest thing we can say to that is like obviously research and evidence that we get from uh, researching the paranormal, getting responses from people that unfortunately are st- stuck here. And then also near death experiences, because that is the closest thing someone can basically go to the other side and come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of these stories are insane as to what they've seen because it correlates to each other um, as well as what they experience when they come back. Because some people have actually had their third eye bust wide open. Some people have had their like uh, experiences, you know, they started with maybe like some negative experiences in life and then Mm -hmm. they had the near death experience and they realized that there is something out there. There is something kind of worth fighting for at the end of the tunnel. And so they come back here with a different mindset, whether it is to spread messages about that, because there's been people that have written books about their experiences. And so we thought it was interesting to take on that perspective, because um, some of the things that Dolores Cannon talks about, even in her works that we've done um, episodes on, has talked about a little bit of the similarities that people that have had near-death experiences have uh, basically came back this side and and talked about, and it's similar. So how do you feel about near-death experiences? Um, Well, I don't have one myself, but I have a close friend uh, whose mom did. Oh, wow. Uh, So, yeah. I, fortunately, have not had a near-death experience, I think. No, I don't think you have. No, I haven't. Believe it or not, you know, I like to be like, well... I was because every angsty teenager is like, oh, my life sucks. When you think about it, I kind of avoided a lot of near-death experiences. Yeah. Uh, my mom's car crashed. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, I'm actually pretty lucky. I haven't yeah. had anything bad happen to me like that. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have not. I would say when you talk about, like, if you if you look into the idea that, say, we're in our vessel, mm-hmm. our soul is connected to our vessel by that cord that everybody talks about right the umbilical uh, cord the umbilical cord to the ether i guess um <laughs> and essentially when you die that cord gets severed and you float up to yes. wherever you know you believe is the afterlife and you know obviously we've talked about it in like dream episodes where they say like you float out but you're still connected you yeah, know like all like of that astral projecting yes and so i would say that my cord was breaking but was never fully severed Mm -hmm. and i never flatlined i should say in any of the experiences that i've had so one of the experiences i had i was and i've talked about it on the episode uh not on the episode but on a episode quite a few times was when i was five i had throat surgery you didn't know that i did not know that yeah they cut my okay so backtracking a little bit when i was born i was born with hypothyroidism which is is like one in 100,000 babies that you're born with it. A lot of people contract it later on in life, but being born with, being born with it is rare. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, I had an improper functioning thyroid. And if anybody knows that the thyroid is what controls a lot of the hormones. Mm-hmm. So yes, it sucks sometimes. It's very <laughs> Yeah. And basically, 
on medication for the rest of my life because of it. Yeah. So some somehow a cyst started growing on my thyroid and it almost looked like I had an Adam's apple. And that's what cued my family into saying like, hey, something's wrong. What is that? They found out it was a cyst. And the doctor came to my mom and basically said, hey, we can either cut the cyst off or we can take the whole thyroid out. And it's an easier, simpler procedure if we take the whole thing out than if we're trying to cut it. And so she was just like, yeah, that's fine. They just said, like, she'll be on medication the rest of her life. And it might be a little bit harder to regulate at different areas in her life. Like when she's going through puberty or big hormonal changes, basically. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was like, yeah, that's fine. So they put me into surgery. And I do not remember a lot of it. And I think when you have like those near death experiences, you remember, but you don't like, I remember the experience, but I don't remember the in between. Mm-hmm. Um, It's very fuzzy. And so I went through surgery. I was fine. I cannot tell you for the life of me what happened during surgery. Like, I don't remember like where I went or whatever. Cause I was really, really young. My mom was with me the whole time. And my aunt came to stay with me. And basically, my aunt told my mom, go ahead and leave. She's fine. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Go get some rest. Um, Because she lived, funny enough, where you live right now. That's where she was living. But I sneezed or something, and the stitches flew off my throat. And the the incision was clear across my throat. The doctor did do an excellent job, but you can't really see it unless you get really close to my neck. But it looks like my skin is like close, like it's weird. It looks like mm-hmm. someone took one piece and one piece and like sewed it together. It's weird. It's like that's what stitching is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's very peculiar. Yeah. But anyways, it it popped open and I started profusely gushing blood from my throat. Oh my it was God. like an open. Yeah. <laughs> oh I could just. I'm thank the Lord. Like I don't remember it. I just remember bright lights. And the wheeling of the gurney, I remember everyone Mm -hmm. beside me, and I remember walking with them next to me. Like, I was in the hospital gown like a ghost would be, I Mm -hmm. guess, and I was walking with my body. Yeah, I was walking with everybody. I could tell you details on what... It's such a shame they can't see my facial expressions as you're telling the story, because this is the first time I'm hearing this. Like, this is is raw. Raw action. No, oh, no, wrong. and that's and that's a lot of the times too. Another aspect that people talk about when they talk about near death experiences is seeing yeah. yourself. Yeah, because there was one story where the person was going through surgery and they flatlined while on the surgery mm-hmm. table, and they were able to detail information that, like, what the doctor was talking about. Yeah, was able to re refill, and that's the thing is, like, you know, people want to. Tr- there is a medical explanation. We can talk about, we're going to talk about that in a, a little bit. But there's a medical explanation that gets ta- talked about as like the scientific side of it. Yeah. But the people that are astral projecting essentially and saying the details, how would they know? They're not yeah. awake. They can't. How would they know yeah, that? Because you could blame something like disassociation. Yeah. But if you get details right, that would only be able to be known from a certain area of vision yeah just say then it kind of starts to rule that out yeah because uh you know disassociation is is for people that don't know is a mental illness or disorder that tends to happen with people that are undergoing like extreme stress depression you know so when you start getting into things like that, you know, of course, anyone could be like, oh, it's just a thing in the mind, blah, 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 which not discrediting any, listen to any psychologists out there. I know we might sound like buffoons, but just hear us out. Yeah. <laughs> just hear us out. If you are able to remark on certain details that wouldn't be known otherwise, maybe just hear these people out on what they have to say about their crazy experience. I would think, too, like, this is probably one of the most bending when it comes to the paranormal mm-hmm. of bending the science, like yeah. getting scientists to listen. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, you you take haunted places and scientists tend to, oh, that's this or yeah, that's I that. Feel, yeah, and I feel, I feel like, like near people death. always first draw that conclusion, too. 
mental illness. Yeah. And I think this is the one thing where they can't because, you know, you're, you. Yeah. Like, how, how are you saying certain things correctly? You know? Going back to the personal story. So that was the first, that was the first kind of thing I had. And funny enough, I don't, it's crazy because it seems like the theme of blood loss is, is all in my near death experiences. So it happened again, uh, when I was, Oh my God, girl. <laughs> Yeah, when I uh, well, you kind of know this. I mean, you. uh, That's what. See, this is why she's so tied to the spiritual realm. She's set like a foot in there every five years. (laughs) It's like her second home. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I have been told I have one foot in, one foot out, which I don't know how to take that. (laughs) But uh, so I was. I obviously I was pregnant with my son, and so the first one happened maybe in the late nineties. And so this one happened in like 2016 is when I had my son. And we were, which is funny, funny if you're into astrology, it's right around the different aspects of the Saturn return. You know how you have like, I think it's like 7, 13, 21, and then 29 is your first Saturn return. And then it goes, um, but there's like different like quarter things. I forgot the astrological way of describing it. It's supposed to talk about like key points in your life. Funny enough, I've had like the near death experiences around the key points, the different aspects of mm-hmm. Saturn return. So anybody listen to astrology. Oh, you're almost on your next one. I know. I have a, my actual Saturn return in the beginning of next yeah. year. So oh. I've got a long time. So I'm, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know what, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the, but the second one. So I was giving birth to my son and. Obviously, it was the first time I was going through giving birth, so I didn't know. Funny enough, everything with blood was not going right, if that makes sense. Uh, they couldn't give me fluids. They were busting my veins, essentially. Like, the one nurse said, I've never seen this happen before in my entire life. Like, your veins are literally blowing every time I stick the IV in. And she they were like, are you like dehydrated? And then the doctor was like, no, she seems fine. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Eventually they got it. Cause I was literally, I was like, I was at that time praying, like, please, I don't even care that they're sticking me like 20 times. I just, I want the, cause I got the epidural. And, uh, so, you know, the doctor comes in, I start going into labor and I don't know what happened. I blame it on the doctor. The doctor was like super unprofessional, didn't really like took her time and it's like hello (laughs) like i'm trying to kid is coming out of me like i i you know i tore and i tore bad like i got told apparently by surgeons they've never seen anybody rip like that before in their life um basically yeah (laughs) they basically said that i they don't understand how if I didn't have that epidural, because literally I wasn't going to do that epidural, mm-hmm. but something, I guess you could call it spirit guides, you could call it intuition, something told me to get it. And so I got it and they said, yeah, I would have knocked out because of pain. It, like it was that bad. Mm-hmm. The doctor is covered in blood, like just completely covered. The nurses are covered in blood too. They're trying to, like, I didn't even hold my son too much after I basically passed him on to Isaac because I I could feel myself slipping. Like, that's the best way I could describe it is slipping. Like, it felt like I was going in a dream state, but like how they paint it in movies, like how you start seeing the bright light and it's like your body yeah. is slipping away. That's what it felt like. And it, and I guess essentially it was like my, my rope to my body was breaking, but it wasn't fully broken yet. They put the oxygen mask on me and I just, I, I, I was just, I felt myself slipping. Like, I did not feel like I was in my body. It felt very, like, in a dream state. And I could feel my body kind of, like, astral projecting to different areas of the room. Like, I could, Mm -hmm. I, there was one point where it was very, very quick, very quick, where I was, like, out of my body and I was looking at myself. Mm -hmm. Then I was across the table, like, across from the nurses and I could see them. And then I was back in myself. And then I was... Finally, that stopped and I was back in my body, essentially. But I started seeing this mist at the very top of the room. It was 
bright white with almost like diamond accents to it. I was thinking in my head, I was like, all right, this is it. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Right. And all I could say was like, help me, help me. Like, I don't know what's happening. And then I heard people that did not, that wasn't the nurses, wasn't Isaac, wasn't my grandmother, because my grandmother and my other sister, the middle one, Phyllis, um, she was in the room. And I was like, this is it. I don't know what's going on. And they were like, no, 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 Megan, listen to my voice. You have to go back. It's not your time. You have to go back. And then I slammed in my body and it was normal. But I had asked, because that was such a prevalent time for me, I had asked psychics that I came in contact with over the years um, after that. I was like, what happened that during that time? Because I've never, and they were like, yeah, you almost crossed. You know that, right? Like Mike on our team, when I asked him about it, he was like, yeah, you almost crossed. You know that, right? And if anything, that was, that was a near-death experience for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how he kind of described it to me. It was like my rope was breaking, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't break yet. But yeah, so I never really flatlined, mm-hmm. but I did experience the astral projecting like outside of your body. There is also some, not reports, but some gathering of information basically saying that a lot of people do that too with trauma. Yeah. To avoid mm-hmm. certain things and to not be as scarred by it. But but yeah, that is mine. <laughs> that is mine. So the next thing I kind of want to dive into is kind of what people have seen. Mm-hmm. Um as they've astro projected, because there is there's tons and tons of stories that are out there, which is crazy. And did you know? I did not know this. Did you know it goes all the way back, like all the way back historically, that near death experiences have been talked about? Oh yeah, I, I don't know why that. I thought it was like a recent thing, like a recent <laughs> phenomenon. Which that makes you think, like, okay, that's actually a real thing. If it's all the way back, yeah, people have been experiencing this. So some of the things that people experience when they have near-death experience, and I think it would be depending, and this is more on the lighter side, I'll also talk about like negative experiences that people have had. But one of the things that they have said that they have experienced is something like a tunnel, traveling through a tunnel or dark space, kind of like, not a black hole, but like like space. Mm-hmm. Um, like swimming. Yeah. And it's described as like a transition period from one reality to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've described the tunnel as being filled with light and leading towards a bright source of light, which a lot of people have described as being like you're transcending or like mm-hmm. you're spiritually there at the source. Yeah. Another thing is obviously the light, which I kind of talked about. There was a bright light and it was almost like it was accented. Like it looked like clouds in light form. But it was translucent with like diamond accent, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But yeah, so a lot of people have it said that they've encountered a bright light and feeling a sense of reunion with a divine or higher power, symbol of love, warmth, acceptance, and feelings of peace, joy, and comfort. And there's even been some people that have shared their experience and said that they did not want to come back. Like, they did not want to come back because you feel that, essentially, source. Yeah. Some people have uh, seen beings of light, which essentially could be angels. It could Mm be um, even, depending on the religious um, religion of the person, it could be Jesus. I know we've, there's, there was that one story that came out, like, early 2000s, I think, of that little boy that said he went to heaven and he talked to Jesus and Mm -hmm. all that stuff, saw family members. And he came back and was able to tell details that he wouldn't have known. That was another thing. So feeling a ex- uh, connection with the spiritual realm, angels, deceased loved ones, or other spiritual entities. Uh, again, feelings of love, comfort, guidance. Then there's been some other people that have gone super far. I feel like there's different levels, too, oh, of yeah. entering into the mm-hmm. and how how long you were pronounced dead, too. One of the things is a life review. Um, they started getting a glimpse of the life review, which is a chance to reflect on one's life and learn from past experiences. And I'm wondering if that sometimes there's different levels because there's different things that a person has to see. Because one of the things that um, spiritualists or people that uh, dive more into the spiritual aspect of everything 
have talked about is it's almost like to knock you back on the right path. Like if you yeah. stray too far. But then I don't know, because like for me with my experiences, mm-hmm. I didn't really, granted, I didn't flatline or get to the other side. It did definitely open my mind up to the to the other side, but it didn't like knock me back on a path. Mm-hmm. So for I guess it it's unique, like almost like a case by case, like yeah. incident by incident I, thing. Yeah, I think it's a much more personal thing. Kind of it thing. might be to knock you back. It may not be. Perhaps maybe you were just where you needed to be. Yeah. Perhaps you didn't have to really reflect that much. Very true described a life review where they you know like go through past experiences um and that's the thing is five ten minutes over here might be different time on the other side yeah we don't know people have said the life review is uh been described as being non-judgmental focused on learning and growth and accompanied by a sense of understanding compassion and forgiveness Mm -hmm. so that's what some people brought back out-of-body experience, that's what I felt, detachment from the physical world. Also, sensations of peace and love, which we've talked about, deceased loved ones, seeing deceased loved ones. And one episode that I kind of want to do one day is what we've talked about, like nurses and doctors, but I'm kind of curious to go into nurses that deal with hospice, like grandma. And maybe I'll bring her on for that one in particular, oh, yeah. too, because be she yeah, she did. Uh, she has some crazy stories about when people were kind of edging on that that mark of like being close to death, but they were able to see and what she was able to see. She actually was able to uh, encounter family members of the deceased loved ones right before I'm not of the deceased loved ones, but of the person that was getting ready to die. Um, right before they were getting ready to die. And that's how she would know that, hey, this person really is going to die soon. So it's kind of crazy. Alternate realities of dimension or uh, and dimensions. Obviously, a sense of being welcomed. Purpose of missions that could also come back with the person. Like maybe you come back with a different uh, mindset or mission to accomplish in this life. Um, and a lot of the times the people that go all the way over and get like the information tend to come back with a different, either a different mindset or a different goals or a different aspect to their life. I'm noticing mm-hmm. from just the stories I've been reading with the positive, there is also a negative. So oh, there's yeah. people that have gone to heaven or gone to another reality that is nothing but pure light and divine. And there's been also been people that have gone to the opposite side and it's been dark mm-hmm. and it's almost like it mirrors each other. Like for instance, instead of seeing, feeling the, the love and the light, people have said it was a void or darkness, um, a sense of emptiness, darkness or nothingness, uh, feelings of fear, dread and despair. There's also been when they get to the other side, a feeling of fear or terror, pending doom, feeling trapped, suffocated, or a sense of being uh, attacked or threatened. And then, of course, like on the opposite end, on the positive side, how you can encounter angelic beings and stuff like that, have encountered negative entities. So anything like weird creatures or frightening lower dimensional beings, demonic things. And then they also, even on the negative aspect, have had a life review, but it's more of the negative or painful experience that they've encountered. So it makes them feel guilt, shame, or regret. I don't really know, but I wonder if it has to do with like when the, at the time of the near death experience, if it's what vibration you're vibing at, if that has anything to do with it. Because I don't know. That's, that's just interesting um, because obviously they say like when you die and you're at the a lower frequency, which is mm-hmm. like the the shame, the guilt, the oh, yeah. the anger, the rage. I think we've talked about it before where like you can feel those things. Everybody feels those things. Oh, you yeah. have a range of spectrum of feeling those things, but you shouldn't stay stagnant in it. Yeah. Do not become comfortable in melancholy. Yeah. And and sometimes people have even felt like loneliness, abandonment, betrayal, like all of that stuff. Uh, one thing that I was able to find, too, on the negative side of things, because I was like, okay, what are some of the light beings? That mm-hmm. led me to, okay, what are some of the light beings? And it said angels, deceased loved ones, 
beings of light, um, anything that has those good vibrations. But then I was like, what, what are some of the negative ones? And so obviously demonic beings, um, shadows, and then negative versions of deceased loved ones. Oh, um, that's creepy. So I think that, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think scary. maybe, maybe that's something like on the demonic scale or, or mm-hmm. negative trying to make you feel fear. You know, I have a little bit of a theory. Yeah. It's just a theory. But do you ever think that with the negative experiences, it could kind of be like beyond scared straight? It could be, yeah. Where they are purposely trying to freak you out to put you on a better path. Yeah, I mean, I could see that because some of the people that said they've gone to hell don't want to go there. Yeah, and, and it so, makes you reflect. And so when you come back, you think, oh, there's serious consequences to my actions. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And something interesting. So uh how I mentioned my friend's mom had a negative experience. She got close when she OD'd. Mm. And... This is a very different story because it actually turned her atheist. Oh, wow. She was a diehard Christian and she was trying to, I guess she would say, repent. She was struggling a lot with addiction. She had a lot of trauma, very hard life, dealt with assault her life, and she had horrible upbringing and she was just struggling. She ended up ODing and... She claims that when she felt herself like die or flatline, break, however you want to say it, when she went to the other side for a second, it was like she dissipated and there was nothing. Wow. And when she came back, she she became atheist. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying to the listeners out there, that I agree with this viewpoint. I'm not saying I'm atheist, just putting this out here, an objective thing to make you be like, whoa, it can also be the opposite. Yeah. And it's crazy because there's sometimes atheists that go and have a near-death experience and it's the opposite. So it makes you think... It's personal. Yeah. It's very personal. Very personal. Oh, wow. That that story threw me for a loop. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. What basically has been said that has happened that people have gotten out of near-death experiences? So one of the things was obviously an increase in spirituality, like we're talking here. Yeah. Like uh, the person was a diehard Christian and then turned into an atheist. And then mm-hmm. there's atheists that turned into like Christians. And or, then there's- even, or even you could say like a minor change, like switching from like maybe being Jewish to being Christian yeah, or even being Christian and turning to Islam. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be like completely one way or the other. I mean, you could have a minor shift in spirituality. That's very true. Or even just being more spiritual, like believing there is a divine. Yeah. You could, or something. maybe yeah. you were just agnostic and not sure before. Yeah. And after you had the experience, you're like, no, this is, you know. Yeah, Definitely. So one of the things, like we said, is a increase in spirituality, and that can even be religious or psychological beliefs. So mm-hmm. you could go in there thinking, oh, I don't really have a purpose, whatever. Go have a near-death experience and get a greater sense of purpose or meaning in life. Reduced fear of death. Some people have said that they, after coming back, they were able to see what the other side is, so they are less fearful of death. And I think that's also maybe something that like is is a struggle with people when they die is being having fear of the other side. You yeah. don't know what's out there. You don't truly know who's right, who's wrong, what religious is telling the truth. Like you don't know. And I think uh, increased empathy and compassion. Some people that come back uh, said they felt a sense of oneness and interconnected things or interconnectedness with things with all things. Priorities, people have gone there and then came back with different interests or decided that they needed to spend more time with loved ones or they needed to focus on personal growth and development. Uh, then the other one, heightened intuition or psychic ability. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit before, but our, uh, one of our members of the 
Shadow Walker team. His name is Mike. That is why he paranormal investigates. Well, one of the many reasons. But one of the reasons why he even wanted to dive into this is he's always had experiences, but it wasn't really until he basically died on the operating table because he was sick and had to go through surgeries. This makes me think about what an easy life I've had. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he basically saw them cleaning out because it had to do with his stomach region and saw them cleaning his organs, taking them out and cleaning them. And he said when he came back, one of the things that he really wanted to do, especially with the paranormal, was prove that the other there is another side. There is yeah. something after dying. And he has tons of stories. So maybe one one day we'll bring him on here to tell his stories. But he has tons of stories about what he's seen and stuff like that. And then, too, there's people that have had kind of like the opposite thing where They went to the other side, they want to be on the other side, and they come back and it's difficult for them to adjust because now they have information on the other side. And a lot of times that's what happens is is some people have come back and said like they were given information about life in general. Mm -hmm. And so now I thought I would share some stories. So these are stories that are out in the public. They weren't specifically sent in to us. A majority of these people have turned their stories into books. Mm-hmm. We'll have all the books linked in the episode description. So you guys, if you want to check out and actually maybe get one of the books, um, you can. Uh, so first, there was a person named Eben Alexander who uh, had a near-death experience in 2008 when he fell into a coma due to meningitis. Um, he was a neurosurgeon, and during his near-death experience, he reported traveling through a dark tunnel and encountering a beautiful bright light that he interpreted as the divine. Um, When he recovered, he wrote a best-selling book about his experience called Proof of Heaven. So that's kind of interesting because he is a neurosurgeon, so he would know. Mm -hmm. Out of everybody, he would know what's going on. And we're going to get to that in a second where we talk about like the medical aspect of what they say is going on and Mm -hmm. why you would even have the experience that you would with a near-death experience medically. And then there was another person. Her name is Anita Morjani. She was a cancer survivor who had a near-death experience in 2006. She reported experiencing a state of pure love and connection and a feeling of oneness with all things in the universe. Following her recovery, she wrote a book about her experience called Dying to Be Me. Another woman. Uh, Her name is Pam Reynolds. She was a musician who underwent a risky brain surgery in 1991 to treat a brain aneurysm. Uh, During the surgery, she was announced clinically dead for almost an hour. So an hour here, could you imagine an hour on the other side? She reported a detailed NDE, a near-death experience that included seeing a bright light, encountering deceased loved ones, and traveling through a tunnel. Which is interesting because Dolores Cannon also mentions a tunnel when she was doing her sessions. She also had them, when you know, talked about everything, mentioned a tunnel. Which I think is interesting, too, because I've even had things psychically come to me about a tunnel in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So, for my own opinion, I think there is something between life and death that deal with a tunnel. Mm -hmm. But her experience was later later studied by researchers at the University of Arizona and was in the book The Light Beyond by Raymond Moody. There was also a guy. His name was Howard Storm. He was a former atheist who had an NDE in 1985 while undergoing emergency surgery. During his experience, he encountered a group of beings who he believed were angels And he experienced the life review aspect of a near-death experience, which he basically saw his action, how his actions had impacted others, which I find that very, very intense. Um, After recovering from his surgery, he became a Christian minister and wrote a book about his experience called My Descent into Death. Super interesting. And then finally, there was a guy. His name was George Ritchie. He was a soldier who had an NDE, NDE about um, after a bout of pneumonia in 1943. So that's super interesting to also look back because they were all came from different backgrounds, 
all different types of situations going time through periods, time periods. During his experience, he reported traveling through a dark tunnel, encountering a being of light who showed him scenes from his life, gave him a message of love and compassion, and then he later wrote a book about his experience called Return from Tomorrow. And that also helped. His book was also one of the ones that also helped kind of the advancements of talking about NDEs. Mm -hmm. So those are some. Um, Another one, there was a young boy who had an NDE during emergency surgery in 2003. Uh, He reported encountering Jesus and deceased family members and visiting heaven. If you know the, the, the movie and the book, Heaven is for Real, that is based off that kid's um, encounter. So we're not only talking about uh, different aspects of life, different time periods, but different ages as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's super interesting. And like I said, there's also positive ones, there's negative ones. So I thought I would talk also about some negative experiences. So those were more of the positive ones, you know, feeling of light and compassion and everything else. These are some stories that are publicly out there that talk more of the negative Mm. aspects of NDEs. Um, So Angie Fentimore, Fennimore, I'm sorry. Angie Fennimore attempted suicide in 1991 and had a near-death experience during her attempt. Uh, She reported experiencing a sense of darkness and emptiness and encountering negative entities that she interpreted as demons. After recovering, she wrote a book about her experience called Beyond the Darkness, which also talked more about her struggles with depression and suicidal ideation. I hope. There was another person um, named... M. Scott Peck, who had an NDE during a medical emergency in the early 1970s. During his experience, he reported encountering a dark void and a feeling of sense and terror. After recovering, he wrote a book about his experience called The Road Less Traveled, in which he just discussed struggles with depression and spiritual awakening. So I think that's interesting that when you think about it, so Angie, she had the suicide attempt, so that mm-hmm. was probably the lower vibrations, feeling yeah. shame, guilt, mm-hmm. whatever. And then same with the M. Scott Peck. He, cause his book talks about like depression and everything. So, uh, like I said before, um, the concept of near death experiences have been mentioned throughout history. And so I thought I would talk a little bit about that and like where it was talked about because I think that is so crazy. The fact that it's not just in current time that it's, it's been talked about. So one of the places that is talked about is Plato's myth of ear. Um, in his work, The Republic, he, which was written about 380 BCE, Plato includes a story about a soldier named Ear, or E-R, Ur, Ear, who had a near-death experience and returned to life with knowledge of the afterlife. Um, there was also the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is a text from the 8th century CE that describes the process of dying and the experiences that the soul goes through in the a- afterlife. The text describes a series of stages that the soul goes through, including encounters with peaceful and wrathful deities. Um, and then apparently, which I, I mean, I was not one that obviously studied the Bible very, like, I mean, yeah. I would say I was, I was raised Catholic and I, and I believed in some of the stuff. Um, but apparently in the Bible, there were several stories of individuals who had NDEs. Uh, one story in particular was the story of Paul in the New Testament who reported having a vision of having a, of, of heaven and hearing unspeakable words during a state of unconsciousness. And then, of course, medieval literature, there's a bunch of reference to it. And then, of course, in modern society today, modern research, we have a lot of experiences and scientists studying NDEs. So, medical explanation of near-death experiences. So apparently in the medical field, it's still not 100% fully understood, but here are some theories that scientists and different people in the scientific world world have talked about when it comes to uh, NDEs. And the first one is uh, neurolog- neurochemical changes in the brain. So they believe during a life-threatening event, the brain releases a variety of chemicals such as endorphins, dopamine, and serotonin, uh, which can affect the brain's functioning and perception. These chemicals can produce a variety of sensations, including feeling of peace, euphoria, or detachment from the body. 
So the next one is hypoxia. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, or basically a lack of oxygen to the brain, which is a common condition during cardiac arrest and other life-threatening events. Um, this can cause the brain function to abnormally lead to altered perceptions, hallucinations, or a sense of detachment. Another thing is they believe psychological factors also play a part in people's um, experiences of NDEs, uh, basically influenced by such psychological factors such as prior beliefs about death in the afterlife, cultural or religious expectations, or personal fears and anxieties. Um, these factors can shape the individual's perspectives and interpretation of their experience. And then um, activate this, I thought was really interesting activation of certain brain regions. Some researchers suggest that NDEs may be caused by the activation of certain brain regions of the brain, such as the temporal lobe or the lymphatic system, which are involved in processing emotions and memories. So these are just kind of like looked into. They're not 100%, but medically that's what they're, they're saying. And then obviously on the spiritual side, uh, people that are more in, in, not indulgent, but in, in the spiritual realm say messages about the afterlife need to be brought back. Also information about reincarnation that said person needs to go through a spiritual transformation and then also divine intervention. Mm-hmm. And that's why they experience that. Some people too, um, have said that after they've experienced an NDE, they have had weird dreams. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a very interesting concept because you think when you have a near-death experience, I don't know this 100%, this is just my opinion, but you're almost severing the cord, right? Yeah. Or if not, it is severed and it gets reattached. Mm-hmm. How? I'm not sure. Stitch but it back together. Yeah, essentially. So when you're dreaming... If you go by what, you know, we assume mm-hmm. is that you're, you know, above your body with the cord attached. Yes. So that would make sense that that would probably trigger things that took place during the mm-hmm. NDEs. Some examples that have been associated with dreams is uh, there's a couple stories that are out there. Um, one in particular by there's a lady named Dannon Brinkley who had an NDE during a I said lady, but no, it's a guy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Dan and Brinkley had an NDE during a lightning strike in 1975. During his experience, he reported encountering deceased loved ones who gave him messages about his life purpose. After recovering, he began having prophetic dreams and ended up becoming a hospice volunteer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another person named PMH Atwater um, had an NDE. NDE during a medical emergency in 1977. During her experience, she reported being encountering a being of light who gave her insights into the nature of existence. Uh, after recovering, she began having vivid dreams and became a researcher and a writer on the topic of NDEs. And then, too, another thing that's super interesting is that not only have uh, people experienced it, but there has been nurses and doctors that have witnessed it. So one doctor in particular, which is Dr. Raymond Moody, uh, was a psychologist and philosopher who coined the term near-death experience. In his book, Life After Life, um, Life After Death, I'm sorry, published in 1975, he has since become a leading researcher and writer on the topics of NDEs and has interviewed hundreds of individuals who had NDEs. He also worked with healthcare professional, professionals to raise awareness of NDEs and their potential impacts for end-of-life care. Which is crazy. So he started out as a doctor and a psychologist and a philosopher um, who essentially coined the term near-death experience. Yeah. And so, you know what I find interesting about a, a lot of this hmm. is have you noticed so many things dealing with the paranormal and just about spirituality and the body in general is so tied to colors? Yeah. I heard, too, that a lot of people, uh, even when they're stuck in a dream state, they always see the colors purple and blue. And it's funny because your crown chakra and your third eye, you know, where they believe that, you know, spirituality kind of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. comes in from, that's the colors it's represented by. Dang. And these people going to the other side, they all describe it as a white or yellow light. And 
If you don't know, yellow is usually the color of, in some cultures, it is being grounded, such as Chinese culture. I believe it represents earth and desire and, you know, going forth. <laughs> yeah. But um, in Christianity, it's it's also a very important color. It symbolizes like purity, holiness. And throughout all of these regions, these colors have a lot in common. It's almost as if color itself is kind of like a spiritual force. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think, too, that's one aspect that you think about it. The first thing we learn as kids is color. One of yeah. the first thing is color. I did not know. Fun little tidbit for anyone listening. <laughs> I found out the reason why colors are so important for children is if you don't show them color at an early age, that's actually how your kids become colorblind. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I am colorblind. And now that I think about it, it makes sense because when you're growing up and you're poorer, you know, you always have those beige walls, that popcorn ceiling. Yeah. That white popcorn ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, color is very important. Yeah. And it ties into a lot of this, you know, they all describe these these white, bright lights and, you know, this, the dreadful negative feelings more so describe like dark low vibrational colors yeah and i wonder too if that's like our first aspects of seeing energy yeah like auras think about auras yeah. when people see auras auras uh even orbs are different colors yeah yeah exactly holy moly it's like you know down to the root base of it like you know definitely the, the simplest little things and like think like we think of like you know the heart chakra life dendro is you know green and it just so happens like the earth around us when things grow and they flourish you know they're green dang gwen you know over here blowing minds right <laughs> but yeah so i think that actually is going to conclude our episode today because we dove into pretty much everything that i wanted to talk about um With NDEs. i yeah ndes i i always think they're interesting because of what people are able to bring back mm -hmm. from the other side um, and like I said, all the books that I mentioned here, I will definitely link them for you guys to, if you guys want to purchase them or where to find them. So if you're reading this, you're like, I would like to read more about this mm -hmm. person's story in particular. I'll have it in the episode description. Going back to the idea of, of why we are even talking about NDEs is I think it's important because essentially, for the most part, a lot of, of people, at least I do, um, when I go to spots or when I know somebody is behind the, the you don't want to see anybody stuck. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes you question like, well, okay, well, why are you stuck? And it also is a reflection to yourself because you don't want to be stuck. You don't want to be on the other side. And I think nowadays, us learning so much and bringing out all this information, you know, even the works of Dolores Cannon, you know, all even the paranormal researchers that are going out and asking questions about like the people that are stuck on the other side mm -hmm. and trying to help them cross over. Because I know one of the things that we get all the time for people that are stuck, one of the, the questions that Mike in particularly likes to ask is like, what does it feel like over there? What is the where you are? What does it feel like? And they always say cold and lonely and dark. Yeah. And so. Obviously, we don't want to be stuck as well as, you know, you don't want to see other people be stuck because it's mm -hmm. sad. It really is. When you go to a location and it's haunted, you know, it's different when it's residual. Mm -hmm. But when it's somebody that's stuck that can't get to the other side, it really is sad yeah. because you're like, you should be going to that source of because we know somewhat to a degree it exists. I mean, mm -hmm. enough to where people have experienced it and stuff like that. Or you hope at least hope that there's a spot that mm -hmm. is of divine light and source and stuff like that. But I think, I think it's really important. Like last, last week we talked about AI, which is about the consciousness. Could AI yeah. have a conscious opposite. here? You're talking about like a very human experience. And yeah. And then, and I think two NDEs are something that people will not forget. Oh, yeah. I like, I did not forget about the one when I was five and I probably yeah. won't forget. Well, yeah. Cause it's traumatic. I mean. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I don't know. It's, and, and that's just 
a basic one. There's people yeah. that have gone through very, very, very traumatic NDEs. Oh, yeah. Like Mike's, I mean, that shaped, yeah. that totally changed him seeing his organs mm-hmm. uh, washed and clean and then put back inside of them mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm sure like there has been nurses and stuff like that oh, that have yeah. encountered, because not only have they encountered like positive things, they obviously have had weird stuff too with the other side and i think that's interesting that too that near-death experiences also paints the picture that there is a bright side and there is a very negative side as well um because i think some people like to just say oh there's only negative there's only positive and then there's some people that only negative and i think there there's definitely a a middle Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes i do think sometimes there's an imbalance like sometimes the dark tends to overpower um, especially when it's like demonic cases and stuff like that. I, I'm very, I think I've talked about this before. I don't think like the dark stuff is your friends. Like some people paint it. Thought it was really important to talk about this because we always talk about like places being haunted and stuff like that, but kind of diving into what us as humans have encountered of the paranormal and on the other side is important as well. Oh, and an interesting tidbit. I forgot to say this. I forgot. But earlier, when you were talking about like how people still feel a connection after they go, uh, which it's kind of sad because if you look at most of these stories, most of them are very catered or geared or popularized because a lot of them echo a lot of Christian beliefs. And I feel like it's kind of sad that you don't hear as many stories about like, you know, people that get to experience like pagan gods or like, mm-hmm. like how many times do you hear about people going and meeting like Norse gods, you know, like that, that would very be cool true. to, to talk about but i feel like some of those stories um they don't get shared as much as they should because they don't yeah because you know yeah i will even yeah yeah and i'll even say like i obviously have found ones that talk about like the light but because i was specifically looking for like popular ones that you guys could go read about as well because ndes are very very personal oh yeah and so the fact that they i didn't want to just go on like a reddit page or a Facebook page and just ask people, like, can I share your story? Because I didn't know how that would feel being out there. But these are people that actually wrote books and put their story out yes. there. So, yeah, I did not find any about any right. other gods and but stuff like that. But it's interesting because um, uh, I can't remember exactly what religion believes it. Uh, I, I want to say Shinto, but I could be wrong. I could very much be wrong. Um, but they actually believe that the what we want to identify as a soul ghosts and experiences you know stuff like that with the paranormal are actually the manifestation of our soul's memories and it's fragments of ourselves. imagine if an nde it's because part of your soul is on the other side and that's why they feel such a strong connection is it's kind of like part of them is still over there you know, if we are made up of memories and you have a memory of the other side, does that mean like a piece of you will always be there? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to think about. We got to think too, essentially your energy is always left places. Wouldn't you feel like just thinking of a soul and like the imprints of just everyday life. So could you imagine if you were on the other side and you had imprintation of that because you got to think one of the things i always talk about is like the catalog of energy like i feel like having psychic abilities i am able to read that energy from different things and people yeah i think that's one of the main things that a psychic ability has is that you're able to read energy quick Mm -hmm. and more so than somebody that maybe isn't as in tuned or whatever i would think because like if i go down the street i can feel the energy of that house yeah, or right. that person or whatever. And, yeah, Could and you imagine some, if I had gone to the other side? Yeah, and some people even think too that like, back to what I was saying, like, you know, that we're memories and all this and that, you know, certain religions, especially Eastern religions, they believe that like everything, literally like everything has a soul in some way. So, I mean, all this energy that you're feeling all the time, if you go to somewhere that's so far away, you come back, I'm sure you feel so alienated because your energy is so much different than what's around you. Yeah. And the souls and like spirits that surround you here. It's probably like a totally different feeling. Well, you think about it too. 
majority of people that have had the positive experience, not the negative, mm-hmm. but the positive has said that it was so grand and so great. You don't want to go back. Like you don't, you, you don't want to go yeah. back to earth, right? It's almost dread when you come back. Here. So when you think about it, when you go to a place that's, you thought was normal, then you go to a place that's 10 times better and like, you like literally don't have to pay for it. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. And then you come back to the, the place that's not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, what the heck? Yeah. Like, for instance, you you take it as a chair, right? You have your chair. You've grown up with your chair. You like your chair. But then they show you a Lazy Boy recliner. And you <laughs> sit in that Lazy Boy recliner and you're like, this is nice. And they're like, you can have it for free. You can sit in here for 15 minutes. Well, you can't have it for free, but you can sit in here for 15 minutes. And you can watch whatever TV show you want. You can take it and relax, mm-hmm. right? But then they're like, but 15 minutes are up. You have to go back to your chair. It doesn't feel the same. And something that you thought was, because I mean, these people, it's not like all these people who have NDEs lead some like, they kind of make it out. Like I said, like how we're talking about like glamorize it, like, oh, they were leading such horrible trauma filled lives. And one day it was all better. Some of these people had great lives and were just living and they love their life. And not all of them are like, you know, deep in this, you know, even then, if they have a great life here, they have loved ones that they love, even when they experience like, a little bit of you know being over there they don't want to come back yeah so it's very deep it's very deep talk and and yeah and definitely ndes are very personal intense so anybody who's listening that has had an nde i feel you i it's 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 not a light experience it's not something you want to experience you know i'll take your word for it yeah (laughs) i mean i wasn't even fully there and i was like whoa what the heck but yeah so that that pretty much concludes our episode so i didn't say it at the beginning like i wanted to but like i said i have my sister gwen here so i'm gonna take full advantage of that and there is an episode coming after this one you can see it it's going to be released the same day i just didn't want to drown uh, this episode down with a bunch of Gwen's experience. Not drown. I shouldn't say oh, that. Wow, but like, drown. yeah, wow. sorry. But like anybody that wanted to hear specifically about NDEs, I didn't want them. I don't want to hear about your sister's experiences. <laughs> I want to hear about NDEs. So um, we have NDEs, but then we have a bonus episode coming the same time as this one. It is going to be after. So you'll see this one and then you'll see Gwen's experiences. And she's going to talk about her experiences, some crazy stuff. Uh, that she experienced at some of the places that I've talked about, houses we lived in, stuff about our family, and having... um, It's like our silly little episode. Yeah, it's very, very f- free-flowing. So if you, you like fun. more... If you like more of the... Alien probing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, If you like more of the... um, Like, more just conversational-based and not structure-based episodes definitely lists that one um it's not as serious and not as intense not as informational based either yeah. it's just more experience that's talking so, yeah <laughs> so it, it's a good episode go check it out um we actually recorded it before this one so but if you want to check us out on social media our instagram is at hidden in the shadows our twitter is at hidden in the shaw six our uh tiktok is at hidden in the shadows podcast two i don't know who has podcast one me and Isaac always ponder that idea, and we don't know who it is. One of these days, I'm going to message Podcast One and be like, hey, what's up? Why do you have Hidden in the Shadows Podcast One? Uh, Facebook, Hidden in the Shadows Podcast. You can also uh, find links to everything at hiddeninthashadowspodcast.com. Yeah, so we'll catch you. Oh, next week, real quick. Next week's episode is going to be with Isaac. And we're going to be talking about the Winchester uh, Mystery House, which is uh, one of those well-known spots. It's located in San Jose, California. Um, It's a sprawling mansion that was built by the widow of a firearms magnate, William Wright Winchester. Definitely got some weird stuff going on, bizarre architectural features. Staircases that lead to nowhere, doors that open into blank walls. Oh. Yeah, very interesting. A lot of uh, places have, not places, a lot of people, um, well-known investigators have investigated their ghost adventures, paranormal state, ghost hunters. Um, so yeah, we'll be talking about all of that. So yeah, we'll catch you weirdos in the next one.